Welcome to Just a Phase, a podcast about modern parenting, episode eight, that postpartum life, part one. We're back from our parental leave and talking today about all things postpartum, specifically Whitney's new baby and our guest Allison's experience with postpartum depression. Plus, I'll make sure to ask Drew about his life too. That's so kind. (laughs) Let's get started. Okay. Hello, I'm Drew Ludwig, father to three daughters ages 10, 6, and 4. Oh, you had a birthday. I did. You're paying attention. I am paying attention. (laughs) And I'm Whitney Crispell. I am mom to Vivian, who's almost two, and drum roll, please. Maybe I'll insert some effect there (laughs) or not. Uh, Cecilia, who will be four weeks old when this podcast is released. Hooray. Yay. Uh, we're going to do our best in this podcast uh, to keep our cursing in check because Cecilia is sleeping like right next door yeah. to us. Um, but this is a podcast for adults and by adults and Cecilia doesn't have any verbal processing right now. Right. Uh, and so I'm going to ask Whitney to tell us about Cecilia's birth and she just might swear. Yeah. Sorry about that. I'll try not to. But so. but yeah. So I got to I've got to. Four week ish old, <laughs> four ish week old, whatever. I've got a four week old, and I am. Um, things are going really well. Um, we we're we're getting into the groove on things. Sean and I have been, in in some ways, we've been really surprised by how much easier having a newborn is compared to a crazy toddler. Because you yeah. can just put her down, and she like she can't move. Right. So She's stuck. Yeah. She can scream. Yeah. I'm tired, but, but in a way it's been so far, it's been a little bit easier dealing with, with the baby than it is with, with the toddler, but Viv's handling the transition really well and it's, it's, it's going great. Um, but I will, I, I promised in the, in our last podcast to maybe share a graphic birth story. I'm really not going to share too much of a, too much graphic stuff here, but I will say that, um, I don't think I talked about it in too much detail, but we were planning a um, we were planning on having a home birth. We had planned and, plan- did, and right? we did have one. We planned a home birth with Viv, but I ended up um, having her at one of our local hospitals, and it was a great experience. And you know, it all worked out the way it needed to. But we we still wanted to try this time, and um, and and it all worked out. It was great. So the the like. And I know this isn't what it's called, but I saw a picture of what looked like an inflatable pool. Yeah. Right? It's called a birth tub. Do you have to buy that or do you rent it? I rented it. Okay. So you can buy it. <clears throat> it's like, I think it, I mean, you can buy one for like 300 bucks, 200, 300 bucks. Okay. We rented ours for less than that from um, a, a doula that we know. And, uh, but. I, so yeah, so I had the birth tub. I ended up not giving birth in it. I labored in it. Okay. Um, so I'll let me just back up and say that I all these, all these women had told me that oh my god, are you, when you have your second baby, it just flies right out of you. <laughs> <laughs> like it's gonna your labor's gonna be so fast. It's crazy. And I, I really became a little bit convinced that that's what was gonna happen to me, even though I was aware. Like Whitney, don't count on that you know don't think that's gonna happen I still just still totally got in my head so my labor with Cecilia was 30 hours long and I feel like a fair amount of that was just me trying to let go of the idea that it wasn't happening fast enough Um, so my construction started at like 4 p.m. on a Monday Mm -hmm. and then and I was kind of in denial that it was like the real thing 
Um, I didn't sleep at all pretty much on Monday night. So by like Tuesday morning, I, you know, I had accepted that like labor was happening, but that, but I was so tired from not sleeping. And then I still had like a full day of it. So it was tough. It was, it was really tough. So is that a normal thing? Like I wouldn't. Yeah. I mean. Well, I, I wouldn't be in, I mean, I have no clue what being in labor is like, but people, I know I'm showing my ignorance. People go to bed and fall asleep while they're in labor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when, when it's early on, that's one of the things that at least, you know, my midwife and a lot of other women's midwives tell me, have, have told them and told me just, you know, as if you can get sleep, do it. Even if it's just for 10 minutes between contractions. Yeah. And at first you can, when they first start, you know, they're kind of, they can be kind of mild and it's definitely possible to, to get sleep, but mine were just strong enough and just frequent enough where it was tough for me to fall asleep. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was a real trip. It was a real trip. But it but it, you know, I labored. I finally like I, I got a chance to sleep a little bit in the afternoon in between contractions. I was just so tired that my body finally just did it for like even two minutes. Um, so I did that all Tuesday afternoon. And then around 930 on Tuesday night, my water broke in a crazy Actually, this might be too much this information. Is this part. is the graphic part. <laughs> I'm like, kneel, I'm like, on all fours on my bedroom floor, talking to my midwife. She's like, okay, here's a little plan to try to like get things moving along. And I just, my water broke, and two seconds after my water started breaking, I vomited everywhere. It was this wow. incredible release of everything. Everything and so you felt better after you oh yeah it felt better and then I immediately right after that felt like I was gonna push Uh like I need to push and so that was 9 30 ish and Cecilia was born um at 9 56 okay so so not a lot of pushing no got into my bed pushed for about 10 minutes by the time I actually got situated up there and she was here so so yeah I'm just gonna (laughs) play the ignorant male role who like my wife hasn't even like had a baby right right so like totally clueless yeah so when you say like i felt like i had to push is that like a brain feeling or a body feeling oh, it's or in one hundred and thousand percent body like okay i mean your brain's like oh wow i have like i see what's going on but it's just this it's an incredible physical feeling of okay that it's hard to har- like it's hard to harness it the physical so, sensation. So it's not even like you're deciding to push. It's just like pushing time. I'm my body's doing this. Yeah, and it feels it feels better to go with it and right. try to support that urge than to not go with it to fight it. But sometimes you. So ha- it's like throwing up. <sighs> it's like you really have to go to the bathroom. Uh huh. But like times a million, I'll say that. Okay. And like imagine fighting that urge. Yeah. Well, sometimes you have to. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's it's wild. It is wild. So, but it was good. And I feel, you know, I feel like I I, I was so for a couple of weeks after the labor, I was really just could not get over how long and hard it was compared to what I thought. And then I had a friend. Um, I had a couple of, of, you know, friends attend my birth as my doulas and and or as assisting my midwife, because one of them is actually a nurse um, that works with her. But anyway, one of them during labor, um, 
or during birth, she took photos. And so she, and these are private photos. I'm not going to share them. Don't <laughs> worry. They're not going to be in the show notes. But she actually got the photos of Cecilia actually being born. She got these like two incredible photos. Uh-huh. And she, like about two weeks after Cecilia's birth, she came over and she showed them to me. And I, felt like such a badass like they are crazy insane photos and they're so cool to have of myself because I'm like whoa I look at I am pushing a baby out of me holy shit so those photos are like my little private thing that whenever I need to feel awesome I look at and I'm like wow that's awesome I did that so (laughs) but you had like a photographer photographer no. Uh-uh. Oh, no. Okay. No, I just, just had my friend. I mean, she took them on her iPhone. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was like, if they start putting lights up and things no, like that, that would no. feel really weird. No, some women do do that. Yeah, they have like a professional photographer. And I thought about it, but I just didn't. I saw do it. a story on the internet last night that there are some guys that get professional dick pics taken too. Oh my God. Like they dress <laughs> them up. <laughs> This might be our least family-friendly episode. You think it's going to be like, all safe? What I'm trying to say is there's lots of people that do stuff, yeah. but some of it's crazy. Yeah. Ugh. No, I, I, I had no comment on that, on that trend, but the birth photography thing is cool. I just, yeah, I don't know. My due date was at Christmas Eve. I thought no one's going to want to do this, and I didn't get to it. Yeah. But. Well, I, can, I couldn't imagine having those pictures taken, yeah yeah but. no but I'm so happy I have those those ones that my friend Katie took so she was born three days before Christmas um and it was super super nice to be home for that yeah. stretch and and I yeah it was great so so and I looked at her before we started recording and yes she's a really just wonderful baby <laughs> thanks content <laughs> and just chilling out in her little baby chair yeah this time of day which is like the morning is her uh sleeping time so it's all good but how are you? I have not had any babies <laughs> since we last visited. Okay. So, like, I feel like any stories that I have would, like, <laughs> pale in comparison. Um, I did. You noted at the beginning, like, I, my kid had a birthday. We t- mm-hmm. uh, the, the birthday party is coming up. We're going to be ice skating with her friends. We had the family party. The family party is you pick what's for dinner. It's always pizza and wings. Oh, um, so Buffalo that's your children. tradition is the birthday. birthday like the girl actual gets- day of the birth. Uh, the actual birthday, okay. the birthday person picks the meal. I like right? it. Yeah, it's nice. Um, and then we schedule a party for like a little bit afterwards. And my oldest, like we feel bad for her because her birthday is not too long after Christmas. But we never think about it until after Christmas. So like <laughs> we often have her party like two weeks after her actual birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like this is the birthday season because my kids were born in January, February, and March. And Whoa. my birthday is in February. Janelle, my wife's, is December. So like we just do all the birthdays, like one after another after another, and then we're done with it. Yeah. It's funny how that happens in families. They all get grouped together. Yep. Oh, man. I, one other thing that I was thinking when, you know, after Cecilia was born, not when she was born, I had other things on my mind. Sorry, podcast. But we're not that type. I was I was wanting sisters. I will uh-huh. admit that. But if I had a boy, then w- at least one of us would have a boy. But you're all daughters now. I'm all daughters. We're gonna have to diversify. So the we're gonna podcast. yeah. Our, we're really gonna have to make sure our guests have. We had a <laughs> feminist raising daughters crisis in our house. Oh what? Our oldest, who is good at math, uh-huh. um, isn't getting good grades at on math on her oh. report card and she said she didn't like it didn't like math that, that freaked out my wife yeah so 
how are you handling it? Are you still figuring it out? We're making her do math. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. we're telling her she's good at it because she is good at yeah. it. And I don't know. I feel like. God. No, I just, no, I, that just. It's a thing. Yeah, it's, it is a thing. I, math was my favorite subject in ninth grade and I was so good at it. Uh-huh. And somewhere on the way through high school, I just stopped. Like, I, I mean, I used to have fun with it. I loved it. it there's just something that. See, Ooh, I was happens. I was good at it. I wasn't the best. Like there were some like super mathy people in my school, and I wasn't one of them. But I could keep up. Mm-hmm. Like and and I knew what was up. But I never liked it. So, but like, I don't know. Feminist parents don't freak out when their male sons don't like math. <laughs> it's like you should do something else. <laughs> and I went and studied psychology, and it was me and a bunch of women. So right, right. There you go. And I still had to do some math. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I do very little math in my day-to-day life, and I'm much worse at it than I once was, and I'm still okay. Well, I'm going to ask you about this in a couple weeks, see where you guys are at with this math thing. Yeah. I mean... That's tough. But it's not, like, I'm not freaking out because it's not a social thing. Like, she participates in class. Like, she, like, she's just loves attention and talking to the teacher and participation. So, like, in class, she gets the concepts, like, faster than the other students in the class and she participates and everything like that and then it's just like time for a test and she's like oh look at that and she gets maybe she's bored maybe she needs to be in a higher math class that could be part of it i mean she's she's like me with the attention deficit difficulties yeah gotcha so yeah uh, but yeah we're, we're on I, and i think it's also like oh i didn't realize that not doing well on tests was a big deal right so now we're like no you should do well on tests <laughs> like good things are going to happen if yeah. you're good at tests i appreciate that you understand the, lo- the flaw in the logic of our testing our emphasis on testing but <laughs> <laughs> the whole world <laughs> runs on it so get used to it yeah all right so let's get to today's interview with allison uh, before we begin i just want to explain that we a little bit about the interview specifically that we're going to break it up into two parts yes We think that the conversation about postpartum depression is that important. And she said so many wonderful things. We didn't lose key points by editing the conversation down. So part one will air today and part two will air in two weeks, which is February 2nd. Yes. So without further delay, our interview with the funny, the brave, the awesome Allison. Yes. Yes. We're excited today to be sitting down with Allison O'Connor. Um, Allison wears a lot of hats. She's an artist, a small business owner, and the mom of two small kids. And she's also a survivor of postpartum depression. And her personal experience with PPD is what she's going to share with us today. Um, first, before we dive in with Allison, we want to just take a minute to talk about what PPD is and where you can find out more information about it. So postpartum depression is a mental illness, and some of its symptoms include appetite and sleep problems, difficulty concentrating, making decisions, a lack of interest in a baby, irritation, anger, or rage, um, withdrawal from interacting with others, sadness, crying, constant feeling of being overwhelmed, and you know possible thoughts of harming oneself and or, or running away and escaping. So a lot of a lot of fun stuff. Um, there's also the related illnesses of postpartum anxiety. Uh, OCD and PTSD. So in short, um, postpartum mental illness is more than just extreme sadness, and it regularly affects women up to a year after having their babies. It's not just something that happens in the immediate postpartum weeks. 
and none of us here on the show are experts on postpartum depression, which is why we're telling you to check out the resources that we've shared in the notes for this show on our website. One excellent resource that we want to name check is postpartumprogress.com. This site has tons of information about PPD and other postpartum mental illnesses and prides itself on sharing information in what they call plain mama English. Yeah, it's a great, it's a really great site. So, and finally, we just want to remind everyone that the experiences that Allison is sharing um, with us today are her own and that PPD and other postpartum mental illness is going to look and feel different for everybody. Um, so with all of that out of the way, our big disclaimer, let's let's say hi to Allison. So, hello. Hi, guys. Thanks for <laughs> joining us. Thank you for having me. So let's start with some basics about, about your family. When did you have your kids, and, and how many you got? Uh, I have two. I had my daughter, um, she's four and a half, uh, and my son, Charlie, is a year and a half. They actually have the same due date three years apart wow. but she was a week early and he was a week late so their weeks are tech or their birthdays are technically two weeks apart. okay got it so yeah thanks we're, we're really fertile in one specific month of the year <laughs> and you are married yes yep my husband and i both live here in buffalo okay so let's talk about let's just get right to your ppd what um i guess when did it hit you what did it look and feel like um, for me specifically, it was, um, it really most, mostly presented in rage, um, which I think is why it took me so long to sort of recognize what it was. Um, it was at first other people, people that didn't know me would say things to me like, you know, are you okay? Like you, uh, seem the baby blues is what someone brought up to me first. She's like, oh, it seems like you have a little baby blues, which I, of course, um, responded extremely angrily at and I was like no of course nothing's wrong with me what are you talking about um, and it probably was six months before I could like sort of step back and say okay I think something might really be wrong here no was this with your first with my first yeah with my okay. daughter okay so with uh, right after and I we had had a um, she was a, a high-risk pregnancy uh -huh. and I think a lot of um, the stress of the pregnancy sort of, I didn't really realize how stressful it was until I had my second child and it was a non high risk and it was like oh this is way easier um, never not that pregnancy is ever easy but um, I think that there were a lot of contributing factors mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. that sort of had become not normal but sort of my normal by the time um, I had my daughter. Just the, I we had also we'd been renovating our house. I was trying to start a new business. There were a whole lot of things going on that, um, you know, I think were distracting me from s self care and mm -hmm. really looking at myself and going, you know, maybe something's really wrong here. So six months you have. So you have your daughter, and it takes you. You said like about six months to really realize. Okay, this is something that I might need to get more help with. But talk about that time kind of in between. I guess like, did it. Did you feel like ragey right away? And um, I mean, this everyone would say, oh, you know, for the first six weeks, you know, you're sort of in this cloud, and after twelve weeks, you start to become yourself again. And after this, and there was like all these like sort of like time barriers that I was trying to get through. And when I remember at six weeks, feeling like I was six weeks behind. Like by twelve weeks, I made a meal, and I was really excited mm. that I had cooked again. Um, yeah. And it was just, I felt like I was always behind 
Um, I had problems breastfeeding, so I felt like that wasn't going right. Um, working from home, there was there's already a lot of guilt as a parent, but it was I, I had this constant guilt, which mm-hmm. was if I was with my daughter, I wasn't working, and I felt guilty about that. And if I was working, I wasn't with her, and I felt guilty about that. Um, she was a very easy baby. Like she slept all the time. She, I was able to get work done. Like I shouldn't have felt guilty about it, but everything just felt big and heavy and guilty. And I just thought this is part of being like, as everyone tells you, like, it's hard, it's hard. It's really hard. Um, and then I would feel guilty that she was quote unquote easy. So it would be like, why is this so hard? I have such an easy baby and all these things. It was just sort of. Um, it felt huge to me. It felt like I couldn't talk about it because the the main, like the, the general public is just sort of like, it's hard. It's hard. You're going to get through it. It's hard though. Um, and so as I was feeling these big things um, and even some family members of mine, like that I tried to reach out to, like, I think something's wrong. They're like, it's fine. You'll get through it. Everyone yeah. goes through this. It's, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. And people really want to sweep it under the rug. They don't want to talk about it. Um, I, you know, I had another family member come to me that, I'm not, I'm trying not to name names, another family <laughs> member had said to her, oh yeah, postpartum depression is when you want to hurt your baby. And at, at the time, you know, five years ago, people loved referencing Brooke Shields on Oprah. And the one um, uh, analogy she made was she wanted to throw her baby against the wall. So that's sort of what, she at the time she was the only one that really talked about, that's sort of what everyone thought. Like, oh, you want, or like, you would hear about the woman that drove her car into the, the river. Oh, people with PPD want to hurt their children. Mm-hmm. So then you feel like you can't tell people because someone's right. going to think that you're going to hurt your children. You don't love your child. They're going to come take them away. And, and actually, I mean, again, not an expert here, but one of the things that I learned is that that, that actual like d- desire to, to hurt your baby is something called postpartum psychosis. Yes. So it's it's not even postpartum depression, no, like, it's something and there's a spectrum. Totally. I mean, there's a spectrum of, of of how severe it could get. But go go on, sorry. And and I think also a scary part, just talking about that. I did not have postpartum psychosis, thankfully, very luckily. But I was definitely at a point where I. I could understand it. Like, not, like, you'd right. never do it. Some of people are like, I'd never shake my baby, but I can see how, like, some people really want to. Um, it was like, I I remember at one point in one of the very darkest moments um, feeling like my daughter would be better off not being here. Like, mm-hmm. I, this, I am such a horrible parent. I am so ill-equipped for this. I shouldn't be doing this. Um, she, yeah, I, and, and obviously, like, I would not... I, didn't right. I would never but I could see that jump I could like see to the other side of that psychosis where people could go through with that um, and that's scary and that's scary to go through alone and um, you know part of why I wanted to talk about this is to let people know like normal people go through like quote-unquote normal like it's it's nobody should feel like they have to go through something like this by mm-hmm. themselves and there's such a strong um, emphasis to put out there like you're this perfect parent you're fine you're fine sorry I know I'm like tangenting. Um, no, you're, you're right not. on track. You're good. <laughs> um, and they're, they're just the push to really um, seem like everything's fine to put on this exterior is what perpetuates it for so long without yeah. getting help. So um, a lot like the whole you're fine thing, that's not helpful, right? No. no. But like, so <laughs> maybe someone's listening and there's a person in their life that they don't know, right? right. But it looks like a mom that's like having a rough time, yeah. right? So what, what is the helpful thing to say? Like, what do you, what do you wish people said to you? Um, 
just, or did for you. Just like, people saying like, are you okay? Like, do you, um, like a genuine interest in listening without judgment. Um, it felt like if someone was saying, are you okay? They were very quick. You better be okay. Yeah, they were very quick. <laughs> they really wanted you to say, yeah, everything's fine. Like, they were yeah. very quick to be like, oh, no, no, you'll get over it. It's, it's good. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah. you're fine. You're fine. You're just, it's hard on everybody. I actually don't everybody. have time to talk about this. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> whoa, this is you. about to get really deep. Yeah. I gotta go. Um, just, yeah, just an openness and a non-judgmental um, approach to this, I think, is, is my hope to share with everyone. Like, you know, if someone can be having a very hard time mentally and still love their children. They can, right. you know, be going through something chemically um, without it appearing the way you think it should appear. Like that's, and that's what I heard so much when I would try talking to people is we don't look sad. You don't seem sad. And I really directed the majority of the, um, the rage that I was feeling to my husband. Like it's, he, I don't often say this, but he really is a saint. Like when it comes to this specific thing, like he really, um, he had no idea what was going on. Like the day after his child was born, he woke up with a completely different wife and he didn't understand it. And he just, uh, he was like, I, I don't, I remember having the, the six months. I remember the day. I remember the moment that I realized something was wrong. I was having this like out of body experience where I felt myself. I saw myself screaming at my husband about, Socks. Like, I don't even know what it was about. Like, just irrationally screaming. And I remember actually thinking to myself, what are you doing? Yeah, like, like this why? isn't me. This is not me. And I, like, really stepped back and I was like, okay. And and I think another, another facet of it is um, you feel sort of reluctant to say something's wrong with me because it sort of invalidates what you're upset about. It's like, no, I really, I mean, not the socks, but, like, if you're upset <laughs> about something yeah. by saying... I might have a problem. People are very quick to go, oh, so that thing that you're just crazy. Like they're very quick right. to like sort of invalidate. No, both feelings. are true. Yeah, <laughs> like no, we can do both of these things at one time. Um, yeah, people are very quick to sort of brush off, um, you know, anything you do, any opinions you might have. Oh, yeah. did, or, oh, did you take your meds today? Like people, it's it's a very, the stigma against mental illness is just so strong. Yeah, it's. Um, it's, it's really hard. So what happened next? Like you had that moment where you are yelling about something and then you're like, wait a minute, this is not how I want to be or this is not me. What, yeah, what happened next to get you to? Um, so at the time, and this is uh, four years ago now, um, I was self-employed. My husband was, um, he, his job did not have good health insurance, so we did not have health insurance. Or no, we had a very, a very lousy health insurance that did not cover um, mental illness, mental health, anything. Um, so I couldn't see someone. It was like $80 an appointment at the time. It, that was, you know, might as well have been 100000 So, mm -hmm. um, And plus with a new baby, you can't justify spending that money on yourself. Like you have to right. put your money and energy into the baby. Um, I have baby toys. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. In <laughs> formula. Like, yeah. oh, the guilt of having to buy formula. Um, and people... Um, you know, so I went to my doctor and he was very, my, my primary, who was actually my, um, my daughter's primary as well. So mm -hmm. he, I was there for an appointment with her and I was like, I think there might be something. And he's like, here you go. And he just like threw some samples at me, which was great because I then had access to, um, medication that I wouldn't have otherwise had, but it was sort of like whatever they had as their samples because, the health insurance also wouldn't cover prescriptions for mental, you know, antidepressants. So, 
um, the one specific one, and I started, and, I, and it was like, I felt it brought me to a sense of normalcy where it was like, and I don't know if it was the placebo effect or probably not considering it's yeah. a chemical thing, but um, yeah, I, I, it brought me to a point where I could function, where I could be like, I could control the rage. Um, and then it sort of became this, well, it's only a year. It's only a year. I can wait out a year. Like I can just go on like this for a year. And at least for me, it's something that hasn't gone away. And I think, um, you know, when you have a kid, there are so many hormonal shifts or so many chemical shifts. This is just now um, who I am. And after my second child, sort of coming to that acceptance was the next level of something really hard to deal with. But um, so I do, I, I take medication as long as I take it, I am me. And that was the part of it where it was yeah. like, I can be me if I'm on it. Um, I've talked to other people who are like, oh, I don't like being on medication because then which one's the real me? And I'm like... I can tell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. like it's it, the real you is the one that you're comfortable in. If yeah. you right. are not on medication and you feel unbalanced and angry and screamy, then that's not you. That's not the person that you want to be. So, so you, So medication has been helpful. Yeah. Have you done any kind of like talk therapy or support groups? Yes. So um, after, so uh, when I got pregnant again, I uh, went off my medication because I didn't, me personally, the choice I made for, for myself was I didn't feel comfortable um, being on the medication while I was pregnant, um, which was a really fun nine months for my family, especially. And um, afterward, I thought I've got this. Like I, I, I know what to expect. I'm gonna go back on my meds right away, and it was a whole different, you know, bunch of problems. So How that's so? when I decided, um, sort of what I said, which was I, 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 had to sort of come to the acceptance that this is something I'm going to be with in my whole life. Um, it, it's a different. It was a different level of um, complication with. Um, you know, having two children as opposed to one. And again, at that time in my life, sort of when I had the first one, because this is how I like to combine things, my, <laughs> my business was um, shifting in a different direction. Um, we were in a really bad place um, in our personal lives. My husband and I, um, with our house, with our finances, um, you know, we sort of came to the realization that um, the life that we were going on with was not right for us. And we ended up needing to make a lot of really big changes. Um, so it was all these things sort of happening at once where I was like, I need, I need more. I need, it's the, the medication isn't doing it. And I started going to um, a group, a postpartum group at um, the hospital that I had my, my kids at. Um, and it was wonderful. It was people that um, genuinely understood where you were coming from not um, you know not people like trying to understand or you know being sympathetic which is wonderful and you do need but it was people that like had been there and um, I mean this group was they, they handed around a piece of paper and they each wrote their phone numbers and their names and they're like if you need someone to talk to at 2 a.m. please call me text mm -hmm. me I mean people who have never met me before like literally I just showed up and you know, sort of told my story and they were like, you know, uh, we get it. Like it was just, it was, it was so meaningful. And they meet once a month in like the basement of, um, the hospital, which it, it's, I understand it. Like part of it, 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 it 
if, if it was in the lobby, I probably wouldn't have gone. <laughs> um, but the other side, it feels sort of secretive and like right. dark and, you know, yeah. like this, like, oh, something to be ashamed of. And I understand that they do it so that people can feel safe to come and, you know, be, be themselves. But, you know, part of it's also like, no, like, let's, we're okay. We're normal people. We don't yeah. have to hide in the basement. So, um, but yeah, it was, it, that was a huge turning point. And was that a free service? Free service. You literally, yeah. And even the people there, like I had discussed with them, um, you know, issues with our health insurance. And there's always one moderator that's um, a nurse. There's Nurse Nancy, who is, if you're local, she's just incredible. She gives you like her personal cell and she's like, if you need help anytime. That's what I was going to ask you is, you know, if someone's listening to this and they're thinking like, okay, I'm not sure if I like, I'm having issues. I'm not sure if I'm ready for medication, but I could do a support group. Like, what should they expect? They walk in a room. There's a moderator. Do you sit in a circle? Do you yep. have to share? Like, it's, what? It's how does it work? It's a conference room. Uh, at least the, the one that I went to, it was a conference room. Um, you know, they they, they were very. Um, it was not like everybody jumped on you. It's not like you know, it's your first time here. You have to share. Um, a lot of people just talked about their day, you know, it's once a month. So it was like sort of the challenges they'd been through that month. Um, you know, they, they give you the opportunity. They're like, you know, if you're new, if you'd like to share your story, people, they, they listened openly. They didn't, there was no, there wasn't an ounce of judgment in that entire room. Um, I mean, you could say anything and people would just, you know, nod their head and be like, yes, tell us more. Um, there is, there is like a, a nurse, um, or, um, wasn't I forget I don't know if she was a doc, she was a medical professional and um and they have resources like when I said that we had problems with our insurance they were like this is a doctor that does pro bono work this is a place where you can go for um you know medication I mean they really they were going above and beyond anything I would have ever expected just walking in there wow that's heartwarming it was here. huge it was i'm mean, honestly like yeah. that is what you know got me through the holidays last year it yeah. was it was just once a month just going and be able to talk to people so i have a another question for the hypothetical person listening to this who has mm-hmm. had a kid had some you know had some issues with ppd or, or you know or related illness and is thinking how the frig am i going to have another kid what yeah. how did what was your thought process like Um, what made you decide like we're gonna jump back on this and do it again we it was really just sort of and this is sort of what happened with our first job too it was like i don't want to use the the word fertile month month. it was literally like both times like should we have a kid i don't know should we yup let's let's drink a bottle of wine and figure it out and and obviously like we and and it's it's I don't mean to trivialize because I know there are so many people that have such a hard time getting pregnant, but for for us yeah. it was definitely. And then the second time it was like, well, what do you think about a second kid? A second kid could be fun, maybe. Yeah, what do you think? And then, um, yeah, yep, yeah, that's exactly okay. what we should we should be doing. Um, that concern was there, but um, you know, I wasn't yeah. on birth control. I was like, you know, yeah. if this is meant to happen, we can get through it. Um, I had heard. Um, and I have I've heard this from people that, um, you know, have it with their first and don't have it with their second, or don't have it the first time. They have it. I heard right. of a woman that got it on her fourth child. Right. Um, so there there wasn't like when you discovered you were pregnant, there wasn't 
more anxiety like no it it was a little harder because i had to go off i knew i had to go off the medication but or i knew i just i I wanted that for myself um but it wasn't like there's kind of always that holy shit what are we gonna do we have another kid moment i think most people go through don't Mm -hmm. look at me like that um (laughs) no i think most people do have yeah Um, Yeah. but um, having it right now (laughs) yeah (laughs) it wasn't it, it didn't cause another an uncopable level of anxiety yeah. we knew it was something you know we wanted in our life mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. we wanted you know our daughter to have a sibling and um it, it felt like the right thing to do but i know for some people they do have like that oh my god i can't do this like and it does escalate and already especially if um for people that have the postpartum anxiety right i yeah. never had too much of that but i know people that do have anxiety disorders where you know, it's it's crippling. Like mm-hmm. I, I heard someone compare it once as if, if you if you think you're having an anxiety attack, you're not. If you think you're having a heart attack and you're going to die at that very moment, you're probably that's an anxiety attack. Like it's, it's, it's yeah. scary. Okay, as we mentioned in our intro, we will be back and have the second half of that interview on February second. Part two will include more discussion about Allison's husband how he helped and dealt with postpartum depression, her advice for friends, partners, and family with a loved one that has PPD, and much more. And as always, uh, we'll post a list of resources in our show notes. That list is going to include resources discussed in both parts of our interview. Um, so, the, you know, there will be some things that, that come up in part two, but we'll make sure that we, we carry those forward um, in, into week two. So make sure you check them out if you have questions or, you know, something that we talked about today struck a nerve with you. Um, we want to make sure that, that people have the resources they need. So let's get on to our picks for person, place, or thing. Drew, what do you got? I've got a thing. Okay. It's. I mean, it's kind of a lame <laughs> thing, but it's it's a fun thing too. Why do we feel shame about things? Because I have the same thing. No, I to me I see like, your oh, thing in our show notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your thing's better than mine. Okay. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Spot it. Have you played Spot it? No. It's a really really simple game. It, okay. It it comes in like a little tin that is like slightly larger than like a chan- can of chewing tobacco. I feel like that's a bad reference. <laughs> awesome <but> reference. Like, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> our highbrow audience will. Uh, oh right, right, sure. I know exactly yeah. that size. No, go on. <laughs> but it, it's round cards, and on the round cards are pictures of like different things, and some depending on which set you get, like letters and numbers and things like that. And the cards are designed so that if you flip over any two of the cards, they will have exactly one of the same things on each of them. So you just play games where you like look at the cards and you find the match on the two different cards. Oh. Um, and so I like it because it's a game that my kids from four to ten can all – I mean, they play at different speeds and with different abilities. Sure. And there's different sets that have, like, more challenging things. And I don't know how they figured it out, how the cards always have one and exactly one match. But they work some kind of magic, and it's a fun game. So, And it's a cheap game, and it's a portable game. I was going to so say, it sounds packable. It's packable. Easy, yeah, because we played it, like, after our – Christmas trips and things like that. Yeah. You can practice by yourself if you're like an independent person. Mm-hmm. And then if you're like, you know, into like brand names and things like that, like we have like a frozen spot it set and things oh, like that. And okay. there's like kid versions and adult versions. So, I mean, oh, not so like you can like adult, build adult versions. Yeah. It's not cards against humanity. That's the next market, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. But you can build up on different. 
Well, you, you don't mix the different packs, oh, okay, okay. but like. But it's the same game. Yeah, each kid has their own favorite packs, and it's the same I game. I like that. That's well, and then you can play different games. Like, there's a game where you match three cards together. Yeah. It's got variations in the box. Okay, spot so, it. Cheap, easy, portable, fun, good for kids. I like that. Spot I li- it. I like it because I feel I'm. <laughs> I'm feeling a little tapped out on TV after. You know this winter vacation yeah. slash having a newborn and just needing to sit well, and still. And I was just, I've been like thinking about the games we have and, and non-screening activities and yeah. Yeah. And Spotted is fun to play with an adult or with a kid. Like, okay. I think that's the other thing. Like, uh, I hate Candyland. <laughs> I feel like that's like the highest example, but like most kids that you play with, most games that you play with kids are just, horrible games yeah like i'm tired of uno uno's all right like that's higher up on the list yeah, of Uno's games like that i could best, play but you can still get sick of it so my kids have discovered war which i was is just the gonna worst. ask war is it's like endless too right yeah. it never ends what's it good for <laughs> absolutely not they thank you <laughs> say all it right. again <laughs> <laughs> all right so my thing is mealtrain.com uh so mealtrain lets you uh, well, actually, let me explain it a different way. So when Viv was born, our friends set up a meal train for us um, and sent out an email and to our friends and family, and they were able to log on to this website and sign up to bring us a meal. Um, so essentially, meal train lets an organizer create a calendar and then uh, lets people sign up, say what they're going to bring so that everybody can see what you're getting you one day. Get you don't get lasagna five days exactly. in a row. Although lasagna is delicious, would never refuse it. Thank you for the lasagna. Um, but meal train's awesome, and, and it's on my mind because, you know, the same friends set up one for us uh, most recently in, in the – couple weeks after cecilia was born and it's just so nice to not have to worry about meals um i've set one up for people who've had illnesses or a death in their family so it's not just something that you can put together um you know when someone has a new child come into their life it's it's any time that someone may need support um cancer treatments things like that it's just it's it's really really awesome um it's such a good way to to organize that kind of effort um and if you have you know if you're out of town or you're far away from somebody and you want to help i really think meal train would be a great way yeah to do that um so yeah so that's my recommendation mealtrain.com all right that's the end of the podcast for today you can always email us at just a phase podcast at gmail.com send us your feedback your anger your love whatever <laughs> it is just drop it in our gmail yes and don't forget to like us on facebook um that is facebook.com slash just a phase podcast and our website is another place to check it out we always put the show notes up there and the links to the resources just a phase podcast.tumblr.com just a phase is produced by whitney crispell our theme music is urbana metronica woo yeah mix by spinning merkaba and it is used under a creative commons license all right have a good couple weeks drew let's do it all right